everyone. I am Renata Del Carmen, and I am excited to welcome you to our first episode of Blood, Sweat, and Faith. I want to take this time to introduce to you my amazing co-host. I think she will be my favorite of all forever and ever. It is my cousin, Tiffany E. Hello, Renata. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm it's a privilege. <laughs> I consider myself to be a lifelong learner and an advocate for things that are right and just. And my hope is to spread knowledge, love and care in this world filled with so much uncertainty. So thank you for having me. I am so excited that you said yes. This is <laughs> um, an amazing time for you and I, and I hope that spreads um, beyond the screen and beyond the uh, audio. I am Renata Del Carmen, as I said. I am the voice of inspiration, reimagining beauty from the inside out. And so I choose to share that love and inspiration with others, and who better to start that movement with than my cousin, Tiffany E. So today's first episode is being Black is complicated. Yes, it is. <laughs> Every single day. Every single day of our lives. And so today, I think we start with this topic because obviously we are Black women in America and proud to be Black. Let me state that from yes. before. We are very proud to be Black. And with uh, all of the unrest we've seen in the year 2020 in the United States of America, I think it is important for us to address the issues that um, have plagued us for many, many years and seem to be at the forefront of everyone's minds today. And hopefully we'll stay on our minds for some time. And then it's not just a quick passing that it's been in our history, but that is something that really cultivates change. Um, one of the things or one of the topics that I think we would like to address today that is pressing and really is the thing that has catapulted this change that we are uh, on the brink of is the relationship with law enforcement and our citizens, particularly our Black citizens. We uh, want to take the time to remember those that have recently lost their lives to the hands of police brutality, and that is of Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and Rayshard Brooks. Uh, we are seeing these conversations happen all over the world, um, which is uh, amazing. It's like bittersweet at the same time. But Tiffany, I know that um, this is something that is dear to the both of us because we are very familiar with those in law enforcement related to very close with friends, family. And so I really want to start by getting your perspective on everything as it pertains to the relationship between our law enforcement and our Black community. Right, and it is such an important topic. So thank you for bringing it to the forefront. And it is a topic that is emotional. So, yeah. you know, by no means, you know, anything you hear me say, it's with love, just know that. But it is from a different perspective because as a black woman who has a sibling in the police force, who makes a decision to put on that uniform every day and become a target to protect citizens, 
this has been heavy. Uh, so that said, I do want to share that my sibling loves what they do. And they manage a squad of officers that love what they do. And I will say that they have been feeling quite deflated over the last yeah. month or so. It's heavy. Uh, but what we see going on right now with our current officers didn't start in 2020. So we really need to go back and do some digging on why the police force was created. You know, what was the motive? What was the goal? And figure out a way to reform, right? I, I've heard a lot of conversation about reform versus defund. So... Yeah. You know, reform for me in my mind, and correct me, Renata, if you're thinking <laughs> something different, um, looking at laws by state as far as criteria for officers in Miami versus New York versus Iowa versus Ohio, right. I think we should start there. I think that the criteria should be the same across the board. And, you know, just coming out right and having this strong passion and emotion, negative mostly toward the police force is completely understandable given the history of the way things have started out and where we are today. But we have to remember that 2020, these current officers, they have not been at the root of all of this. They didn't create those laws. So, you know, another dynamic that's really important to dig into is culture because we all get lumped together as black women right? But we come from different places. Some of us have ancestors who are American, South American, Caribbean American. Right. And so I would really love to dig into that a bit. Right. I, and it's the reform defund conversation has spiraled and within my network because it means so many different things to one group of people. And, and I'm just referring to my network. So I can't imagine across the country mm -hmm. what reform and defund uh, would look like. And I think that there has been a lot of conversation around the training that officers get. Uh, I think probably because the training officer in the scenario with George Floyd is the one who had the most egregious behavior and so that's concerning and mm -hmm. so now i don't i've never been an officer so i don't know what they are trained to do uh mm -hmm. i know what the expectations of the community are and so we want them to serve and protect us but i've also been uh witness to some scenarios that officers have been in that I probably wouldn't have had as much of a restraint have <laughs> had as much restraint, but you know, it it is an honorable role to have. And I think that society has lost the ability to respect mm -hmm. them. And so mm -hmm. people still need to respect them as such. And that's the thing that grieves me the most in having a family member that is in law enforcement is the idea that somebody thinks that this person is not to be honored and respected as the authority in the streets. That is making sure like your home isn't safe. Your child can safely go to school. Your mother, your elderly mother, your elderly father cannot get robbed in the street. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like 
they're still there that I feel like is what is missing in the conversation and so I'd love to see that come back <laughs> culture if I may add before we get into culture I have so much to add <laughs> that's fine we are here for it <laughs> and I appreciate you breaking that down as far as safety and understanding the role um, because that that sibling has a child who's right. black right there's no t-shirt that says son of officer. Right. Right. So they're just as much at risk. Right. Right. And so, and, and, and it's like, I look at my friends, I am raising a black daughter, but I look at my friends who are raising black sons mm -hmm. and I can't imagine like, having to i've not I, I can honestly say i've not had the conversation with my daughter about what to do in the presence of a mm -hmm, not okay. in depth in that way we've had conversations about the scenarios we've seen in the news okay. and how a person should act but the issue is when we're having those discussions, we're mm -hmm. having them in, around a situation where that person is dead and they right. didn't necessarily commit a crime. And so for me to say to her, here is what, if you were in our car driving, mm -hmm. this is what you do. Because her response to me is, but that person died anyway, right? Mm, wow. And so, that's where we are in the conversation just like understanding that no mm -hmm. matter what here's what you need to consider but the women and men that i know that are raising sons have that conversation much much earlier absolutely much earlier and i just it's heart-wrenching to think about how that explanation comes across in the mm -hmm. eyes and mind of a child yeah it's so emotional it really is and so understanding the various dynamics i think and hope will bring about some empathy and once we get past the emotional part of it the rage we really need to sit down as a community and talk about unity even if that person is on the police force it's still we still need to be unified you know totally um the culture aspect of it it's funny that 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 is aligned with this conversation because mm -hmm. when speaking to people of varying cultures specifically caribbean west indian american first generation american yep. they have a very different perspective on systemic racism which has been a hot topic as it pertains to the cause of these injustices um but i feel like they feel separate from this movement how west indians caribbeans first generation americans for that matter from anywhere mm -hmm. that is not as uh, progressive as the united states of america appears to be what um mm -hmm. what is that thought process like being a first-generation American. Oh, boy. Well, thank you for asking. I have a lot to say. <laughs> in order for yeah. Caribbean Americans to understand 
the history of America, you have to do the work, just like any other race has to do the work. Any other culture should do the work. And I go back to education because I didn't step foot on a plantation until maybe five years ago. I didn't know about Black Wall Street, embarrassingly enough, until maybe six to eight years ago. Right. So in order for me to have the empathy and the understanding, I need to do the work. Like you shared, our parents, they didn't, they weren't born here. They didn't grow up here. And so during the time that they migrated here was during the 60s. And things at that point were similar to what they are now. Scary enough. Scary enough. And the frustration from what I've read between the Black Americans who were born and raised here versus the Caribbean Americans who migrated here is that the Black Americans were fighting so hard to be respected, to not take on that job that they felt was beneath them. But then the Caribbean Americans came along, they were like, we'll do it. Right. You know, for some odd reason, and I'm not sure where it started, where Black Americans just started feeling like Caribbean Americans felt they were better or that yeah. they were not Black. And I'm, I don't even know how to trace that back. Do you have a, an idea of maybe where that came from? Or So I think um, a lot of it, as you said, stems from what they were willing to do mm -hmm. that what we were willing to do, mm -hmm. our, our do as opposed to people who have come from this country and have ancestors who were slaves in this country. And I, I, I feel like we, our, our people have seen the struggle of Black Americans born and raised and ancestors in America, but they have not seen our struggle Mm -hmm. coming from when we come and become affluent and mm -hmm. aspire to be greater there's or that is why we came so there right. was tension in showing up here like right. we came with a plan right as opposed to people who are here that are like i don't know how to navigate this because this this system has created me to be this or right Right. And so the mindset for a lot of Caribbean Americans towards Black Americans born here mm -hmm. is like, we see that that's an issue, but we came here, we're Black the same, and we did mm -hmm. this, but so what's your problem? And so now that mm -hmm. Black American says, oh, so you feel like... Right. <laughs> and here, like here we go. You so let me... <laughs> I mean, I I don't I don't feel that way. We all black, right. like we all. Mm -hmm. It's all about how we responded to that, and right. that's whether you were born here, whether your ancestors were here, because there are a plethora I can name mm -hmm. a ton of people who have come through these same systems mm -hmm. since Harriet drugged them, whoever. Yep was ready to go there are people from america who have done it so it's about the response you're right you're right and you actually made me think of something do you think it would be in black americans best interest to 
look at Caribbean culture and get a better understanding for where they came from as well? I think that's important. When I say they, I mean Americans. I'm not just talking mm -hmm. about Black Americans. Mm -hmm. They love to travel to all of these exotic countries mm -hmm. and learn about the culture and sometimes encounter how much struggle there is in these countries. Right. So more struggle than what I, if I had, <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time my mother or grandmother said what they have for breakfast before right. school in the morning, <laughs> sugar water. I know. <laughs> so like there, every country has an oppressor and the mm -hmm. oppressed is just to yeah. what magnitude are you willing to work to oversee the adversity like get mm -hmm. past it and i'm not saying it's easy in any country mm -hmm. we're just saying like where that level of tenacity like where is that here because we can gather and do some things that's mm -hmm. we can gather and do some things if we want. i'm so glad you said that <laughs> because the unity the unity that I would love to see, that we would love to see, is set aside because of colorism, because of texturism, because, 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 right? Because we can't see each other as one. And that's concerning. Yeah. And I also feel it's valid point. We don't see each other as one. And so... I am adamant that those who are not born and raised in America or who are first generation Americans should, I'm not saying take on the struggle, but I'm saying acknowledge that you are in the same position as the person who was born and raised here, ancestors here. Like I, there are things that, like I literally had to repent the other day. I worked in a, uh, in higher ed in a career development department mm -hmm. and was in agreement with some things in order to help advance students of color into their careers. One of those things was changing their first name if it was too ethnic. Mm -hmm. on their resume to their middle name or abbreviated okay. initial so that their resume wouldn't be overlooked right mm. it's no secret hr departments that whatever makes it easy for them to pull the resume and call the person that's what they'll choose if your name right. is too hard they're going to throw it in the garbage right right the sentence comes with being aligned with that ideal so would you put that in the box of needing or wanting to be accepted by? And feeling like that's what you have to do to be okay. a part of their world. Right. That's needing their acceptance. Right, right. Because I could, you could very well say myself and anyone else who is African-American with a name that would be considered of your heritage or ethnic or whatever people want to call it is like, this is my name and this mm -hmm. is what I'm having on the paper and the job I'm supposed to have will hire me knowing right. that's my name. Mm -hmm. Get the job and I will be successful, right? It's 
how you respond. True, true. So we need to get to a point where we think of it as, okay, what's for me won't miss me. It's the faith. It is the faith. Mm -hmm. there's, there's been a lot of bloodshed, bloodshed. There's been a lot of sweat, but we can't stop there, right? Like, right. I feel like we stop at the blood and the sweat and mm -hmm. standing on it. Oh boy, faith. <laughs> I really, I, I am a Christian. I, I believe like in God. We have no choice. Well, we have, we have, well, we have a choice. We have free will. But I feel like at this point, with the ways of the world, our faith is what has kept us from mm -hmm. being torn apart by mm -hmm. the ways of the world. Right. And that actually brings up another point that I want to make. But, um, you know, we can decide whether we want to get into it today or wait. Because, you know, the same God that we love and worship is the same God that the slave masters worshipped and used to justify their horrific acts. So that's why Christianity doesn't necessarily become something that Black Americans are interested in by any means. And that is something that's very layered and painful to even talk about. Layered. <laughs> I, you know, oh my gosh. Okay, I, we definitely, we definitely have to discuss that. And mm -hmm. I, and I want to also <laughs> bring this up in this moment so okay. that we come back to this conversation because we will come back. <laughs> there are Christian Americans in the mm -hmm. midst of this. Christ, black Christian Americans in the midst okay. of, and probably any, everywhere waiting to hear from the leader of the Muslim community. Oh, wow. They want to hear from Louis Farrakhan, his thoughts on this. Now, we understand that there is a certain um, expectation that comes mm -hmm with the Muslim community. We expect them to be in order. We expect them to be confident and sure mm -hmm. and intentional about what they are doing, going to do, and that when they say they're going to do it, they execute it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in terms of Christianity, okay, when will we get there? <laughs> That's a great question. So, I mean, we can talk, and I, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Mm. I love the Lord. Amen. We as, a people, we as a people have to do our part. Right. Um, any last words on our topic mm. today, Tiffany? If you had to leave the people with anything that they should consider in their conversations, in their walks, mm. in anything that they do to help advance our country from the space that it is in now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah, thank you for asking. I think that I wanna challenge everyone to take the emotion out of it. Yeah. If you can, and it's easier said than done, but when you strip away the emotion and think about the type of world that you are leaving for your children, you have to have the tough conversations and you can't do that when you're enraged. So I challenge everyone to try to strip away the emotion. 
Excellent. That is excellent. I think that is the best thing you could have said in this moment. I am so grateful again to have you here with me. I am super excited for the next time we meet. I cannot wait for you all to see what we have in store for you. Again, this is Blood, Sweat, and Faith. In the media, you see how they treating us. You see how they beating us. You see how they killing us. It's a black man that's your son. It's a black man that's your seed. It's a black man he don't want. It's a black man that's your king. Yeah, yeah. Mama.